Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of our loving, life-giving, liberating God. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus was a master storyteller. And Jesus wove stories that taught about God and about God's reign, the coming commonwealth of love and justice, God's reign, an alternative way of living for the time being. Jesus' stories sometimes are just so good that you almost want to just sit down and not preach on them. Almost. The story we have today is one of those stories, one of those thick, thick stories from Jesus. And I want to lay just a little bit of commentary along the side. There's way too much in this story to try to give you a full explanation in the time allotted. But given the state of our city, the state of our state, the state of our world, I'm grateful for the chance today to sit with this gospel. You may have noticed I'm avoiding using the common name for the story. The late Reverend Dr. Peter Gomes, longtime preacher at Harvard's Memorial Church, used to quibble with the title that we've given it, The Prodigal Son. And you see, Gomes pointed out that the words prodigal son don't exist in this gospel. They don't show up. He said rather that the story, it's, it's not about the son or the sons. It's about the father. Really, this story should be called the parable of the father. Now, we understand the father figure in this story to stand for God. And Jesus often called God father. He taught the disciples to pray, our father who art in heaven. You may have heard Christians say that Jesus' use of the Father is something unique, a special theological development. Christians calling God Father marks us with a certain closeness to God. Well, I'd invite you to ask our rabbi in residence about that next week, Rory Pickernice, when she's here. She can point to at least a couple of places in the Hebrew Bible where God is called Father. And so I'm not sure that it's fair to call us unique. God is also called a mother in the Bible. In the Gospel just a couple weeks ago, Jesus compared God to a mother hen. And Jesus wasn't alone in thinking of God and as a parent, and I would venture that the Christians who say that they prefer to think of themselves as God's favorite children among the religions of the world, well, like the older brother in this parable, they may need some therapy. God loves all her children. This isn't a story about some kind of Christian exceptionalism. But what makes this teaching exceptional is not that Jesus spins a tale about God as Father, but what's important is the kind of Father that Jesus tells the story about. I want you to notice today just how counterculturally the Father in this, beha in this parable behaves. The parent of the prodigal defies the norms especially first-century norms for men. 
The love, the mercy, the generosity with which the father greets the wayward child is outlandish, offensive. Men are expected to be guardians. Men take care of property. Fathers are expected to be just, to demand loyalty, good behavior, obedience. And this father refuses to behave, to behave in the way that we expect in a patriarchal society. Jesus gives us the image of a father which breaks the toxic norms of masculinity. The absence of a mother here is also striking. Often in the Bible, as in life, mothers get sort of stuck in the blender, in the position to mediate and moderate. Mothers are the ones known for compassion. I wonder if Jesus left out any mention of a woman in this story so that the story would be more defiant of the gender norms, the power norms. If the father is a stand-in for God, we learn God's love isn't a negotiation. God's mercy overwhelms our expectations. I, I wish we had a parallel story of a mother from Jesus. And maybe Jesus told one and his editors decided it was just too radical. Before I go much further, I want to pause. Parenting is a challenge, and parenting is also a privilege. Not everyone gets to parent. Not everyone who wants to parent is able, for reasons of biology or economics. I can't tell you how many couples I've prayed with who have been really desiring, really praying for a child to get pregnant or to stay pregnant. It's happened for some of the couples I've prayed with, but not for all. So if this gospel, if this sermon is hard for you because it's about a parent, please hear me say, this is a story for you too. This is a story about how God treats all of us and how God asks us to treat one another. There's a wideness in God's mercy as that old hymn says, God does not behave the way we expect God to behave. God does not allow God's justice to get in the way of God's mercy. God does not allow some vision of righteousness to stand in the way of love. You are loved. You are accepted. You are welcomed with open arms. Period. God welcomes us all to the feast. God runs to you even when you are far off. This is about a story about God. It's also a story about how we can treat one another. In that second letter to the Corinthians, it says that we shouldn't regard each other from a human point of view. Jesus shows us what regarding one another with a godly point of view looks like, what it feels like. This isn't just a story about how a father treats a son. It's also a story about two siblings, one of the less violent stories of sibling rivalry in the Bible, actually. But still, we have this steadfast older brother, the one who stayed when the prodigal left the one who toiled in his father's fields. He's sullen. He's grumpy. This is a story about how hard it is for human beings to comprehend the love of God, the forgiveness of God. 
We have a hard time understanding God, especially when we think we are in the right, especially when we are proud of ourselves. God is always more merciful, always more welcoming, always more ready to celebrate than we can understand. I want to share just two brief stories, two simple contemporary anecdotes to lay alongside Jesus' story today, and then I'll sit down. I'll let the rest of Jesus' story stand on its own. The first anecdote is this. I happened to be in Washington, D.C. for a good part of this week. And when folks there asked where I was visiting from, and I said, Missouri, inevitably the response came, your senator sure made a spectacle of himself in those confirmation hearings for Justice nominee Kentaji Brown Jackson. I was embarrassed. Early in the questioning this week, Brown Jackson was asked whether her faith was important to her. She answered emphatically, yes. But to my mind, she kept on answering that question through the week, through the way she interacted. Judge Brown Jackson met disrespect with respect. She met baseless accusations and political profiteering with competent explanation of the law. She showed those senators what it means to be called honorable. At one point, our senators seemed to accuse the judge of being too compassionate. Too compassionate. Now, I don't get a vote on the Supreme Court nominees, but anyone who can be called too compassionate passes my religious test. Jesus' teaching here tells us, err on the side of compassion. Don't let racism, bigotry, the economics, or the patriarchy get in your way. Don't let them distract you. Err on the side of mercy. That's the first story. The second story I want to bring alongside this parable with you, it's actually a work of fiction. Uh, one that brings us back to parenting. My husband, Ellis, is finishing his master's in library science. And last semester, he was in a class on juvenile literature. And he introduced me to one of the books they had in the class called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. And I wish that book had been around when I was in high school. Aristotle and Dante is a love story between two boys. But frankly, the love between the two boys, that really isn't what makes the story. And I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler. But what matters in the book is the love of the parents for their kids. Both my husband and I have incredibly accepting families. But Dante and Aristotle have even more exceptional parents in the book. The novel was written by a gay man, Benjamin Alir Sines. And frankly, I think he gave Dante and Aristotle's parents the words that he wished his parents would have known to have said. I think he gave uh, the friend's parents the, wish, uh, the words that he wished they had known to say as well. With these parents, there's no hesitation. There's no hand-wringing. There's only love. It makes it even more kind of amazing that the book is set in the 1980s. Where did these parents come from? 
these parents don't just figure out how to accept their queer kids. These parents help their queer kids accept themselves. I get goosebumps just thinking about this story. In his story, I think Jesus is giving us permission to find that kind of parental love in God. God wants us to learn how to accept ourselves. As Thomas Merton used to say, God loves us better than we can love ourselves. God doesn't need to fret over the ways society says that we fall short. God doesn't even need to fret over our sins. God always wants us to join in the feast of God's love for us. God also always wants us to join in the feast of God's love for those around us. God wants us to know we are so deeply loved that we might be free to love ourselves, free to love others. If you struggled with your parents, I'm sorry. Parenting can teach love and acceptance, but often parents fall short. We humans fail one another. It's one of the constants in life. God dreams of a world where every single one of us knows from the start the kind of love where human frailty just can't get in the way. And sometimes learning to love ourselves means putting up boundaries so that we stop unhealthy patterns. Sometimes the only safe way to love is with good boundaries, and Jesus has stories about that as well. We'll tell them on another Sunday. Today, though, hear what you can of this story of the Father. Jesus is trying to break wide open our sense of the power of love to defy societal expectations. If you're a parent, the responsibility is big. But it's bigger than our preconceived notions of family as well. Thankfully, God's love shows up in surprising relationships. So if you're a godparent, if you're a trusted friend, an AA sponsor, a sibling, a coworker, a teacher, the responsibility is big too. God trusts you with this life-reshaping power of acceptance, of forgiveness, of love. You have it within you to welcome prodigals. Will you love with abandon? At a time when we are so divided, at a time when so many of us have been away from one another for so long, in a moment when there is so much anxiety about how we will be received when we return, take your cue from Jesus. Welcome people home. Open your arms as wide as you can. Show reckless mercy. Get accused of being too compassionate. Embarrass yourself and your family members with the way that you love those whom you have missed. Then you will be closer to the amazing grace of God. Amen.